friends, it's Mari from Seven Moons Healing and welcome to my podcast, In Alignment to My Spiritual Journey. I'm a licensed massage therapist, a Reiki master teacher, shamanic apprentice, intuitive coach. I'm a certified crystal practitioner. I have studied other energetic modalities such as Amakuwaki, energy balancing and meditation, Valeo Me, the four angelic fires, just to name a few that have been part of my spiritual journey. Um, I want to thank you all for joining and tuning in. Uh, your support is greatly appreciated. I am truly grateful and humble for you taking the time to listen to my stuff. Today's uh, topic is going to be uh, a hard one. And I think it's just because the word itself makes me feel very heavy. We're going to talk about shame. And of course, I think about the Game of Thrones episode where Hannah Waddingham was the was walking behind um, Cersei in Game of Thrones and she had the bell and she's like, shame, shame, shame. And you know, in that episode, if you any of you have watched Game of Thrones... You felt that shame in the screen. Her ringing that bell, drawing attention to her, to Cersei. I mean, granted, the reason why she was brought to shame kind of makes sense. Um, for those of you that know, you know. And for those of you that don't, I believe she was caught having uh, sex with her brother. I know, it is shameful. But still, we're not here to judge anyone or anything. But in that moment of the show... She's ringing the bell and she's dressed in, I believe it was like a nun's outfit. And Cersei was walking through the town, the city that she was, I believe, a queen in. And walking through naked and they basically were ringing this bell and they were shame, 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 shame. And gosh... I remember thinking at the time when I watched that episode that it was like you could feel it, the energy of shame. But two, that's how we feel when someone shames us. Naked, afraid, vulnerable, and as if everyone can see us in that place. So I did pull up the definition of shame from the dictionary. And then, of course, there's two meanings. One, uh, the noun is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And then it also means a person, action, or situation to make someone feel ashamed. And so we're going to talk about the verb, the a person, action, or situation that makes you feel ashamed. And what I've noticed in the last couple weeks is I will be out in public. I went to TJ Maxx, the Maxx of the TJ. And there was a mother with her daughter and she was criticizing her daughter's taste in clothing. And, you know, everyone, when you're a teen, you're trying to find your individuality. You're trying to figure out your fashion sense and you're trying to fit in with your peers and yourself 
and you're also trying to figure out what works not only for you as your individuality, but then what is your family going to accept? Um, and it was just really hard to watch. Excuse me, I had to have a drink of water because it's really dry um, in my office. But I remember as a teen, <laughs> I had this phase, which is very interesting. I grew up with big hair bands. I loved metal. I loved, you know, Skid Row, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses. I was into all of that. But I also had this other side of me that loved house music, freestyle music. I was a dancer. I loved dancing. I don't mean a professional dancer and I didn't take dance lessons, but going to teen clubs. So there was that side of me. And then I attended a concert with a friend um, for New Kids on the Block. And I went in my Guns N' Roses t-shirt and my jean jacket going to this concert with my friend Lisa, who nobody was willing to go with her because we were in high school and the boy band thing was not a thing unless you were like in middle school. So it was kind of like one of those things that we were hiding because we were kind of embarrassed about it. But I go with her and it was the best concert of my life. And then I went from this metalhead um, and also embraced that side of me that loved the boy band. I was in love with Jordan Knight. I loved Donnie Wahlberg. Um, Joe McIntyre, his singing and his blue eyes. And then Danny Wood because he was buff. Jonathan, because he was cute and and shy. And so I was needing to learn how to embrace all of me, my individuality. So I could be Madi, this uh, house dance music person. I could be Madi, who loved New Kids on the Block, and Madi, who also loved metal. And it, in that time, I felt that I didn't know how to infuse a well-rounded version of me it was like I almost had to pick the sides that I was part of and then had to hide to my metal friends that I love new kids on the block and I had to hide from my house people that I loved new kids on the block and metal um and I don't know why we had to label and categorize everything but I feel like that's a normal part of growing up but so this mother was kind of nitpicking on her daughter for the outfits that she was picking, um, wanting to embrace who she was. And I was like, oh my goodness. So it started making me aware of what have I done to inadvertently, because of course I never intentionally try to hurt anyone's feelings, but have I done that to my own daughter? Because I've always been one to embrace my body I may not have loved it at the time, but I was like, I'm a thick girl. I am pleasingly plump. I am uh, curvy and delicious. And I always did feel beautiful until I heard the comments from others. And I was made to feel shame for my body. I was made to feel shame because I had grown into puberty so early so I already had D's by the time I was in fourth or fifth grade um I had double D bras when I was in high school and trying to minimize my bust I 
always walked around with like a hunchback because I didn't want to be noticed for the size of my breast. I, my mom made me feel embarrassed of my thick thighs and um, my hips. Uh, she didn't mean to. I look back on that now, but I would get embarrassed. I was also embarrassed to make feel like my nether regions were too puffy. And I know that sounds weird because you're like, what? But it was like, cover yourself I could see all of it. I could see the outline. And it's not like I had, and I'm and I'm sorry for this, but I never had camel toe. Like I, that was not comfortable to me. But it always, I was always made to feel like I was purposely trying to draw attention to my nether regions when I was not. I was very shy. I'm still kind of shy about that kind of stuff now. Um, I was always made to feel as I was purposely trying to draw attention to the boys when I was not. Especially since I, this might be a trigger, so I'm letting you guys know, I was sexually assaulted as a child. I was around the age of four to five, and it went on for years with not just one person, but several. And so I didn't want that kind of attention. I was never trying to purposely draw that type of attention because I felt negative about me. I felt insecure. I felt like I had the secret. I felt like I made a mistake. Um, I had flaws and I didn't know what they all meant. I felt uh, triggered and shamed, but didn't know that that was, that there was a name to it. So it was like me going through these emotions but didn't know how to process it because I didn't know there was a name to it and didn't know how to express myself because I always felt like I was, even though I stood up for myself quite a bit and even though I knew how to work situations in my favor, for example, like needing permission to go out, like I knew how to work my father, I knew how to make my mother happy in order to get permission to go out. So I knew how to work that with confidence. But there was a lot of a lot, a big part of me that felt self-conscious, extremely self-conscious. And and I criticized myself in private. And I felt embarrassed a lot in private. But I didn't know that that's what the terminology was. I didn't know that it was embarrassment until years later. I didn't know I was self-conscious until years later. And I didn't know that I had these perceived notions of my flaws until way later because I had this big secret because my parents did not know about my sexual abuse until, God, my father, I think I told him like four years ago and my mom, I told her during the pandemic because it finally came out in the open. It's not that I was trying to tell her. It's just that spirit came through me and said, nope, you're not hiding this anymore. She needs to know. And then when I finally did tell her, she was shocked. Um, but the self-criticism was a big trigger for me. And I felt that I hated my body. I hated my thick thighs. I hated the size of my breast. I hated the way my teeth looked. So while all of this feels like it's normal as part of a teen, as we start growing up and realizing, you know, where did this really come from? 
If I had felt this love and support from my mother and my father early on, would I have criticized myself so much? Would I feel embarrassed with the amount of food I was eating? Because honestly, I never really even eat a lot. I'm a grazer. I eat six times a day because I don't eat big meals because I can't. I just never have. So I graze a lot during the day. But I would feel a sense of humiliation like, oh, wow, that's a big plate. Now, what's interesting is that when I was little, my mom had this fear of scarcity and this fear of never having enough food. So when she would make our plates, she would put a big heaping spoonful of beans because we grew up in beans and a big thing of rice. And I love rice, but those portions are really ginormous for us as children. And so we couldn't leave the table unless everything was eaten off our plate. But I was stuffed. And I was made to feel embarrassed that I wanted to throw the food away. Because there were so many hungry children in the world, right? So I couldn't leave the table until I finished it all. And so I would eat very quickly so that I couldn't digest my food in a sensible manner because then I was made to feel shame that I had food and kids in Ethiopia didn't or my cousins in Mexico didn't. And that started triggering a lot of things for me where it's like uh, when I would started cooking and my kid didn't like the way it looked or the way it smelled or she just wasn't in the mood for it. I would then turn around and shame her and be like, oh, well, you don't like my food? Then don't eat it. Because that's how my mom trained me. That's how my mom spoke to me. That's how my dad spoke to me. And I started realizing that shame comes in so many different forms. And it could start with something simple as shaming them with not liking your food. So ultimately, I don't need to shame my daughter and not like it. If you don't like what the food is, then you just make whatever you like for you, right? It doesn't have to be this tug of war and it doesn't have to be this thing that we both don't agree on. We don't have to agree. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. We have free will and a choice. She doesn't have to like my dinner. She doesn't have to like my lunch. That is her free will. That is her choice. And on the flip side of that, it, it's okay, mama. Like, not everything that I make is going to be appreciated and liked by everyone else. It just means that it's not offending if she doesn't like it or if someone else doesn't like your food. It just means that now they're on their own. and You don't need to stress out over it. We don't have to be offended by it. There is no shame that someone doesn't appreciate your food. It just means it's not to their liking or they're not in the mood for it. It's not personal. Other, for, other forms of shame that I remember now was I remember liking an outfit and my dad would say I look like a devil worshiper because I chose to have a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and a black jean jacket. What about that outfit made me look like a devil worshiper? And it wasn't even the outfit. It was the fact that I chose to have dark makeup, the black eyeliner, the dark lips. But instead of saying, you know what, you look beautiful and supporting that, I was made to feel shame because I did not look like a good Catholic girl, a good Catholic representation of a Mexican child. 
I don't even know what that's supposed to look like. <laughs> if you think about it, what is a good Catholic Mexican child supposed to look like in their teens? What is this preconceived notion that was going to appease my parents? And mostly my dad, because my mom was more flexible with that. I don't know. I was shamed to believe that if I wore makeup before the age of 16, that I was looking for it. You know, it's just like the conversation of uh, a woman is asking for it because her clothing is tight or skimpy. Who brought that on? What society? When did that start? Why are we shamed into so many things? Like, I have a friend who was believed that if she had an epidural, she wasn't woman enough to handle childbirth. And I was like, who said that to you? You do what you feel is right and in alignment for you. If you want to have a home birth and give birth to your baby in a bathtub, good for you. As long as you do your research and you know the risks and the benefits, you do you. There's no shame in the way you decide to raise your child. Now, what I'm saying about that is that, you know, there there is like... If you choose to homeschool your child and you know the hard work it takes to do that and that's the right choice for you and your family, then do it. Good for you. Who cares what other people think about you? If you choose to raise your child in a religion, you do what's right for your child, for your family, for you. Now, I grew up in a religious home. I'm not that religious religious. I'm a spiritual. I embrace the the Catholic part of the Catholicism that I was raised with. So I do, I do pray the rosary in tough times. I will light candles with intentions, whether it's specifically to people or situations. I don't necessarily believe with the way Catholicism works when it comes to certain groups of people. So, no, I am not a 100% Catholic, uh, religious, zealous person. But I do love some of the foundational things that it has laid the groundwork for me. But I am open to everything else too. Like the lifestyle that Buddhism brings. And the indigenous sides with the elements and honoring the elements. I embrace it all because God gave us all. Universe, creator, whatever you want to call it that you're comfortable with. We were given so many gifts and so I'm not closed-minded about it. But if you choose to do what's right for you, there is no shame in that. And anyone who wants to bring you shame, then you need to evaluate, are they in alignment with you? And if they're not, what are you going to do about it? Another form of shame that I recall was um, I was on a uh, school field trip and boys will be boys. And I remember that they would take the back of the bra of the girls and they would snap them. And I remember that I was on the bus and this kid went to go reach for my bra. And when he went to go pull it, he was like, oh my gosh, what are you wearing? What kind of 
armor do you have on that I couldn't even grab your bra strap because it was so thick in the back? And because I developed so early, I was embarrassed that I had to go to JCPenney with my mom and go into the grandma section because I bypassed. I flew by the training bra. There was no training bra for me. It went straight to underoos. And I don't know if you guys remember the underoos. Some of you are old enough to understand. Some of you are very young. But underoos were like this pajama set where they would have like this cute little bralette type for girls and then the little matching underwear. So I had like Wonder Woman and then I had my pajamas right on top of it. And so I went from like underoos to right into the grandma bras, which really stunk because they didn't have pretty styles like they do now. They had literally the basic beige, white, or black, thick grandma bras. And it was embarrassing. But it was what it was. So I didn't really have a choice. I needed the support, I needed the coverage. And I remember that panic set in when he tried to snap my bra and couldn't get to it because he's like curious now, like, what is that? Oh my gosh, I swear my grandma wears this. And I was so embarrassed by it. And I was like, it's a sports bra, get off me. Because I always thought very quickly. And he's like, oh. And then I remember running home to the JCPenney catalog because back in the day we had these big books with catalogs and pictures. And I looked in there to see, is there such thing as a sports bra? And thankfully there was, because I felt like I made that up, but it was my quick thinking. And I really felt felt that spirit was with me that day to say, say this so that they can back off. And they did. Another form of shame I remember was um, that if I stayed out late, and if I were to have fun with my girlfriends and I was at these teen dance clubs that they had for us back in the day, if I was home late, I was asking for it. I was drawing attention that good girls don't stay out past 11 o'clock. Honey, the party's starting at 1030, but I had a curfew and I had to follow it because that's what good Catholic girls do. That's what good, good Mexican Catholic girls do. And it was really annoying because we didn't want to stay out all hours. Don't get me wrong. But the club started, the party started popping at like 1030, 1045 at night. And it went till one o'clock in the morning. But my dad always made me feel that I was asking for it. And he'd always use the excuse that uh, we worry about you and crazy people are out there. And I would tell him time and time again that if God had a plan for me there was nothing he could do there was no curfew set in place that would not stop whatever was meant for me and he always struggled with that so finally after getting along with um, my best friend Savanja her family he would say why don't you just spend the night there because for him if he didn't have to worry about me or think about me then I was safer so then I would spend the night at Vanjie's house because I could stay out later with her because her parents were more lenient because she was the fourth fourth child at this point. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, we trust you girls. If you need anything, just call us. And so I had more freedom when I would spend the night with her. I also felt shame when I wanted to rest as a child. So not only did I go to high school, but I also, after fifth period, I would go to beauty school. And I... The plan was that my junior year of high school, 
all summer long between junior and senior year plus senior year. So by the time I graduated from high school, I had my cosmetology license. But it was a lot of work. There was 1,500 hours that you had to complete. You had to show up every Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Not only did I have to finish my high school work, but I also had to attend, attend beauty school, cosmetology school. And it was exhausting. But I was made to feel like I was lazy because I decided to go into a vocation because my dad basically told me that there was no money for me to go to college. So I was going to hit the ground running after high school with my cosmetology license and be, and be a hairdresser. That was the path that basically was chosen for me when my dad made it very clear there was no money, me, money for me to attend college and become an attorney. And if I was sleepy and I was tired because my only day off was Sunday and I was made to feel like I was lazy because I couldn't get my laundry done. Because we lived in a condo, we didn't have a washer and dryer in our condo. We, I had to go down to the basement, and we lived on the second floor, down to the basement, and I had to sit with the laundry because at that time people were either taking your clothes out if they took too long or stealing your clothes. So I would sit down in the laundry room having to do my laundry on the Sunday because at this point my mom is not helping me. She's still expecting me to have dishes, bathrooms, and all the chores done in addition to cooking, cleaning, and my laundry. So I was getting no help or support. But I was expected expected to help the family with their bills, with whatever little money I did make. So when I would get my paychecks from JCPenney when I was working at the mall, I was expected to hand over $30 in high school to pay for the light bill. So when I finished high school, I ended up paying my father money as if I was a renter. And I didn't notice it at the time because I was made to feel that family was everything. And you helped the family and you didn't second guess it. You didn't question it. It was just expected. So I didn't know any different. I could have very much had lived on my own by the time I was 17. But I had the sense of pride of helping the family that that was the thing that you were supposed to do. Not realizing that my parents were putting me into debt already because my dad was expecting this money from me. I was already paying my dad over $600 a month to help him pay for the family's bills. And I could have gone to college. 100% I could have gone to college, but I was made to feel shame if I didn't help the family. Now, mind you, he's sending money to Mexico, to my grandmother, to my aunt, which I love. I love them, but he should have taken care of business at home first. And so I had this very warped concept of what was a priority. And then I finally started rebelling and started putting myself first. So I had my hair done, my nails done. I was buying myself jewelry and purses and getting myself into debt because I felt this innate need to put me first because I never did until that point. But I was helping them out. And if I didn't help them out, shame on me. Shame on me for not wanting to prioritize 
my family. And you know, something inside me, this rebellious side of me was like, I don't care, whatever. It wasn't until my parents got a divorce when I finally said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I am not doing this anymore. Mom and dad, y'all need to file bankruptcy. I'm not paying your bills anymore. But I was 27 at this time. So I let a lot of guilt and shame overpower me because I didn't know any better. It's just the way it was. It was a cultural thing, but I didn't see it until way too late. Another form of shame. I would be made fun of because of my teeth. I was called Bucky Beaver, uh, the the Tricks Rabbit. Tricks are for kids. Um, Bugs Bunny. Um, Secret Squirrel. I was named all these things that people thought were cute because they were making fun of my teeth. And so I've always wanted a really beautiful smile. I always wanted braces. And I remember the dentist telling my mom and dad, Maddie's going to need braces. And my and the only thing I remember is my mom begging my dad, Maddie needs braces, Maddie needs braces. And my dad saying, I'm not going to pay for them. And he never did. I am almost 50 years old and I still have the same smile. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my smile now and I can appreciate her and the way she lights up the room. But in those moments as a teen, when all you want is the perfect smile and you're being relentlessly made fun of, Gosh, that really irritated me because my dad never prioritized my brother and I. He prioritized his family in Mexico, our family in Mexico. He prioritized sending money to my grandmother. He prioritized having his little gambling poker days at work. He prioritized drinking. He prioritized himself and never really put us first. And then we were made to feel shame for even bringing it up. It's really a vicious cycle. A lot of those moments of shame, and it wasn't really until a couple years ago when I started really understanding how flawed I felt in the early days of my life, how, not even early, even up to my 30s and 40s, but I felt a lot of shame with the secret of being sexually abused and not saying anything to my family. I felt a lot of shame every time I made a mistake And then didn't know how to rectify the mistake. Because no one ever talks about that we make mistakes along in life. And that's okay. But this is the proper way of processing a mistake. I had a lot of preconceived um, notions of how I was supposed to look like, feel like. Uh, a lot of insecurities, but I didn't recognize there were insecurities at the time. I just thought they were um, just me having a moment, a funk, um, embarrassment. Like the many t- all the times I felt embarrassed about something. And I never really worked through the emotions of what I should do with embarrassment, what I should do with shame, what I should do with feeling insecure or self-conscious. And over the course of time, you start building a negative belief system about yourself because 
I didn't have compassion for myself. I didn't have unconditional love for myself. I didn't have a support system that provided what is reality versus my own interpretation of me that started over a course of time. And what I'm trying to do is break that cycle with my daughter, break that cycle with my niece. I don't want them to feel shame over their beautiful bodies, over their beautiful ways of looking at life. I don't want them to feel embarrassed because they go through a growth spurt and all of a sudden they're eating a ton of food. I mean, when we went to family therapy, that was one of the things my daughter had brought up when she was just like, well, you know, sometimes I eat nothing. And then the times that I do eat a lot, you guys kind of make me feel embarrassed about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, of course, that's not something that I ever want to make her feel. But I think it was just more my awareness of like, holy crap, she's eating a lot. Not realizing she's going through a growth spurt or hormones are changing. And if she had not brought that to my awareness, I would have kept repeating this horrible, shameful behavior. And so we need to really take a look at our actions, our words. What are we putting out there? How do we break the patterns and behaviors that our parents bestowed upon us? And recognizing that we sometimes are the cause of shame and we don't mean to be. But that awareness is key. And so I do feel that shame is going to come up from time to time as we navigate and expand our healing and expand what we view or see from others and even ourselves. Um, but take a look where you have had shame. Another shameful thing that I remember or was made to feel shameful was wanting to live comfortably to have abundance in my life. That we should be living... And I don't want to say this in a negative way, but living in a almost in a poverty stricken kind of way, because that's what God wanted. God lived simply. Jesus lived simply. We don't need all these extras. And you're right. You can live simply without being overly extravagant. However, abundance is our birthright. We don't have to live in a mentality that there is not enough to go around. Absolutely, 100% there is. So you can take that view of shameful behavior or shameful living, of living abundantly. Now, I don't need a mansion. I love my house. But I want to be financially free because not only does my family and I deserve that, but we want vacations, we want to send our kid to college and for her not to have to pay for it. We deserve to live financially free and not be ashamed about it. I am not going to hide in the shadows of shame because my father said that that was a shameful thing to do is to have money. No, screw that. 
We all deserve to live abundantly. We all deserve to have financial freedom. We all deserve to have vacations. We all deserve to have food on the table. We all deserve to have our businesses thriving. We all deserve for our kids to have abundance beyond measure. All of it. And then some. It is our birthright to be abundant. And it is our birthright to live shame-free. And so I will not be apologizing for the mass amounts of money I'm going to be making, for living my best life, for creating a legacy for my daughter. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. And I'm not going to let my father's words haunt me for the rest of my life because he he desires to live in that shame. I choose not to. And I will not do that for myself, for my family, for my sibling for my nieces and nephews out there? Absolutely 100% no. So take a look in the areas of your life that you have been made to feel shame or the areas in the life that you have shamed others and learn to reconcile those emotions and those thoughts so that you can live your best authentic version of you, shame-free, guilty-free, in unconditional love because we all deserve that. And... When you start seeing the areas of your life that you've been shamed and you can work through those and have those aha moments, you will be in a better place because you will work through them and you will forgive it and you will move on and realize that you don't deserve to be there. You were placed there. And if you did it to someone, forgive yourself. Because at that time, we didn't know any better. And that's part of the spiritual journey, part of your growth, part of your healing, is recognizing it, working through it, loving yourself, honoring you, and being okay that that it doesn't matter how long it took for you to see it. It's the fact that you finally are seeing it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, for your support, for your love, and for showing up for not only yourself, but for me. Remember, have a great day and love yourself enough to invest in you. Many blessings.